After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. time it is when you hear that siren it's time for frank's power play frank take it away all right derek and we'll start off by saying the conference finals are set in the nhl playoffs game one last night was in the east was between the carolina hurricanes who have really been a surprise this year they ended up beating the defending champion Washington Capitals in seven games in the first round and then swept the New York Islanders in round two. They went up against the Boston Bruins, who ended up beating the Toronto Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets, respectively. The Bruins took game one by a score of 5-2. to two. Even though Carolina was pretty competitive through the first two periods, they actually had a 2-1 to one lead at one point. But then the Bruins just took over. I also think Boston probably wins that series, even though I would like to see Carolina win because I like what they have done in terms of using advanced metrics. And I had plus the John Cherry of Hockey Night in Canada referred to them as a bunch of jerks with their storm surge celebrations. I'd say let them have their fun. This is the first time they've been this far in the playoffs in a long time. This is their best shot at winning the Stanley Cup since 2006. Let them enjoy the moment. The fans love it. I love it. Let them have their fun. Let it be entertaining. And, of course, speaking of that game one last night, I wanted to hit on something real quick, and that was TV ratings. And game one delivered a 1.71 overnight rating on NBC Sports Network. That is the highest conference final game one in NBC Sports history. And that's up 53% from last year. I've said it many a time, and you and I have hit on it as well. The NHL needs to market their product and their stars. Well, NBC has been doing that a lot better than what they've done in the past, and the results are showing. So now shifting gears over to the Western Conference. This has been a while since I've been on. We have the San Jose Sharks, who will host Game 1 against the St. Louis Blues on Friday night. The Sharks took care of the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games in Round 1. And they took care of the Colorado Avalanche in another seven-game series in Round 2. Who, And in that Game 7 against Colorado was the first game that Joe Pavelski, their captain, returned to action since being injured in the series against the Knights. And he ended up scoring a goal in that game. And, of course, the Blues, this is, a, I think, a, apart from Carolina, you ha- I have to say St. Louis is probably the best comeback story of the year. Because I remember many a time during my, when I was going over the standings, saying that the Blues were in dead last in the NHL and looked like they were going in right to nowhere and were going to end up winning the Jack Hughes sweepstakes. Well, 
they saw they apparently decided this is we're not gonna do play anymore we're gonna get it together and they did in january february march and april got into the playoffs behind the play of rookie netminder jordan bennington and who has been lights out uh playing very well for them he ends up they end up keeping the winnipeg jets in check beating them in five games and then they ended up beating the Dallas Stars in a seven-game series that was decided in double overtime when local boy Patrick Maroon scored the game-winning goal for his hometown team. Maroon is a St. Louis native. Kind of bounced around the NHL a little bit. He had stints in Anaheim. He was in New Jersey. Had a stint in Edmonton, too. And was actually, was actually a pretty solid player there. And he had a lot of offers from other teams that would have paid him more money, but he actually turned everything down. Took like a one-year, $1.75 million deal to go play for his blue, his hometown Blues. And now and he ends up scoring the series-clinching goal in overtime in Game 7, and it was actually a cool moment as his family was there, his son, his 10-year-old son joined him in the locker room, and even uh, Ben Bishop, the goalie for the Stars, had to congratulate him as well because they both grew, they both grew up together in St. Louis. So it was a really cool moment and a show of good sportsmanship by both gentlemen. That series I could see going either way. I kind of want to. I'm kind of leaning towards San Jose because I think they've. This is a team that's recently been this far before. The 2016, when they got to the Cup final against David the Vanguard Harris's Pittsburgh Penguins, the Blues. This is kind of unfamiliar territory for them, but you know you have to give a lot of credit to them as a team and Coach Craig Berube, who took over for Mike Yo in midseason, getting them going in the right direction. So I think your Western your Western Conference final is going to be theater. So game one will be Friday night. Actually, excuse me, not Friday night. Saturday night on NBC. The regular NBC, mind you. So tune in for that. I think you won't be disappointed. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now moving on to the rest of the news from around the NHL. We'll start getting you up to speed on what Steve Iserman, the new GM of the Detroit Red Wings, has been to, up to, and... One thing he has done, and this is of no surprise to me at all, he brings in the assistant GM from Tampa Bay, hey, Pat Verbeek, who was an NHL journeyman, actually had a short stint with the Red Wings as a player, even as a scout as well. So he'll hold the same position in Detroit, but Tampa will not be losing the following gentlemen who are in the scouting department, Al Murray, the chief scout, Stacy Rost, or I'm not sure how you say that name, and Jamie Pusher. Those guys are all going to stay put. So, who ends up? Who does Eisenman possibly go after as scouts? I may get to that in a minute because there could be some more changes of people going out, and of course, one ch- one coach who is on his way out the door is assistant coach Pat Fershweiler, whose contract was not renewed. So there's one guy out. And, of course, Eisenman did make one signing of note, ended up re-signing Dylan McLareth, an AHL defenseman, to a two-year, two-way deal. Not a big, really, not a big, not a huge deal at all. Just kind of a, 
just signed a depth guy for the A for your American Hockey League team, and who knows, maybe it'll see what happens with the younger guys, see if they get pushed a little bit, and see who gets brought up next season. But we shall see. And, of course, speaking of guys on the move out of Detroit, it has finally happened, even though he was no longer in this position, former GM Ken Holland, who we thought was going to be promoted to senior vice president, and we thought played a key hand in bringing Steve Eiserman in, and we thought was done being a GM. Well, turns out that ended up all being... Nothing burger as Ken Holland has gone off to Edmonton to be the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Here's the takeover for Keith Gretzky. Holland's deal for Lasana. Five year deal worth about about $25 million. And yeah, I really just can't help but wonder why would he go there? Because Edmonton's cap situation is probably just as bad as Detroit's. Because I've got cap friendly up right now. You look at some of the contracts Edmonton has. Obviously, you've got Con- they have Connor McDavid signed until 2025, making $12.5 million a year. Okay, yeah, he's worth every penny. But you also have Leon Dreisaitl, $8.5 million to the same amount of time. You add all that up, that's $21 million of your $80 million cap. That's better than 25% in two guys. Plus, you've got Milan Lucic and his no-move move clause in his contract, making $6 million a year until 2023. Ryan Nugent Hopkins making $6 million a year until 2021. And I'm not going to go over all these. I'm just going to highlight some of them. Andre Shekera, a defenseman with a no-move clause, $5.5 million until 2021. Uh, Chris Russell making $4 million until 2021. And, of course, Miko Koskinen, a goaltender who they decided to pull out of, I'm not sure, Finland, had no, really no NHL experience, so they give him, him he's making... Two and a half million this year, and then four and a half for the next three years until 2022. And he hasn't even been that great. So, someone want to tell me how Ken Holland is going to go there and clean up a lot of the mess that Peter Chiarelli left for him? Because I've, I've mentioned several of their bad contracts, and I came across this article that said what he would have to do, and he had done none of this in Detroit, said, get rid of Milan Lucic. And his bad contract also, Shekera and Russell. Although I don't foresee that happening because you have to remember that he also signed guys like Franz Nielsen, who's making $5.25 million. And uh, the Red Wings have their own version of, Ju- of Lucci to Justin Applicator, making $4.25 million until 2023. So it's almost as if. You look at if you were to look at the contract situation for Edmonton and not even know what team they were and not even know what players were there, it, you would probably think that some that Holland was already there making bad signings. I mean, I've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. I mentioned it on it was discussed Wednesday night when I was on the Michigan Sports Truth podcast with Taylor Phillips. 
as well. And a few other moves that Holland should make, although I don't think he will. Trade Jesse Pugliarvi, who was their draft pick in 2016, who has really been a bust. I'm not so sure that's going to end up happening. And then find guys in free agency, although I'm not so sure he's going to find find decent contracts. He's probably going to find somebody who he can and pay max value because Holland did say at his press conference in Edmonton that he wants to get back to the playoffs by next season. I don't foresee that happening. There's a lot that's got to be done. And also hire a, the right head coach. Now, speaking of the right head coach, they have decided to replace Ken Hitchcock as head coach. As he is probably, a, he might stick around as an advisor. And of course, I'm not sure Hitch would coach anymore because he's 67 years old. Father time has caught up with him. But who does Holland possibly bring in? Everyone mentions Toronto Marley's head coach, Sheldon Keith, University of Minnesota Duluth head coach, Scott Sandlin, Syracuse Crunch head coach, Benoit Gru, and St. Louis Blues assistant, Steve Ott. And the other name I have heard is that of Mike Babcock. Now, even though even though Maple Leafs GM Kyle Dubas said that Mike Babcock was going to stay on despite a third straight first round exit and second straight the end of the Boston Bruins, there is a possibility that next year, and this was actually tweeted by Jeff Moss of the Detroit Sports Rag, that if they get bounced in round one, that that Babcock would be let go and then he would go right to Edmonton. So does that mean that Holland would bring in somebody to be a sacrificial lamb? I don't think so because in a recent article penned by Moss on DetroitSportsRag.com Moss mentioned that Ken Holland never once fired a head coach when he was GM of the Red Wings from 98 to 2019. The only people say, oh, well, what about Dave Lewis? Well, Dave Lewis's contract expired and just wasn't renewed, and they landed Mike Babcock, and the rest is history. So, you have this is a move that I, I will just sum up by saying the following three words. Come on to the Oilers. Poor Connor McDavid. And I will say this. Do not be surprised at all if within the next few years... McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or possibly both demand a trade elsewhere. But then again, I'm not so sure you're going to get somebody willing to take on McDavid's $12.5 million contract. I know he's, I've said he's worth that much money, but I'm not so sure there's going to be a team who's going to want to take it. And a few tweets about this. Some fans have said, take a look at the cap. I've mentioned, take a look at the cap friendly pages. And, of course, the only team recently worse than the Oilers was the Red Wings. So, yeah. Uh, and people wonder, why do you got to bash Holland? You got He was instrumental in winning cups. Look, people, go out and watch the Russian Five. Was Ken Holland the guy who helped Sergei Fedorov in Portland, Oregon, leave the Goodwill Games and defect to North America? No. 
That was Nick Polano, a scout, and Jim Lights, who was, I believe, a assistant GM or or a CEO at the time with the Red Wings, who's now in Dallas. Because Holland during the time was a North American scout, and he wasn't looking at Sergei Fedorov, Nick Lidstrom, Vladimir Konstantinov, Slava Kozlov, Pavel Datsuk, and Henrik Zetterberg. No. Didn't scout any of those guys. And, of course, when he takes over, where the, where the team was pretty much on autopilot, but thanks to guys like Jim Devolano, Lights, Polano, uh, Hawken Anderson, Krista Rockstrom, Neil Smith, and all those other guys who were there before him. Um, Holland, obviously, he tried to run Sergei Fedorov out of town. That's another story. And then, of course, after Vladimir Konstantinov's accident in 97, he decides to sign Uwe Krupp from the Colorado Avalanche. But Krupp, as many Red Wings fans will remember, did not do too much with the Wings because he claimed he had back issues, but yet he was healthy enough to train for the Iditarod dog sled race. And we want to go into signings and trades. The only big trade of significance where that was a blockbuster that Holland made was when the Red Wings ended up trading Slava Kozlov and a first-round pick to Buffalo for Dominic Hasek, which was done entirely by Hasek's agent, Rich Winter. And the last truly impactful signing that Holland made was another Rich Winter client in Marion Hossa back in 2009. But for, uh, and of course, and of course, some other good trade he made was Chris Chelios, Brad Stewart, signed Brian Rafalski as a free agent in the past. But for every one of those moves, you can easily counter with, with bad ones. And I could go over a bunch of them, but I'm not going to because that would take me forever and ever and ever and ever. And I could probably do a whole show on that. But you know what? It's all... I'm not going to be mad about it anymore because Holland's gone. He's out of town. It's water under the bridge. Steve Eiserman is back. And I. And if anyone wants to know what my thoughts are on that, go back and listen to a segment that I did on, I believe it was April 19th. Derek, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, it might have been. Yeah. So, that's my... That's my thoughts there. there. And of course, we'll see. We'll uh, hopefully have news coming in brighter days about what the Red Wings will be doing, how Steve Eisenman will replace positions in the front office, because I think Holland could potentially take guys with him. I do know that assistant GM and director of player personnel, Ryan Martin, is actually staying put. But I don't know if Tyler Wright, who's the director of amateur scouting, I've heard he might possibly go to Edmonton. I've heard that I don't know if somebody like Hawk and Anderson, who's the European scout, if he would possibly follow suit. Who knows? There's going to be a lot more news to come in the coming days. So that will pretty much do it for my power play. For this Mother's Day weekend, a special shout-out to all the hockey moms out there. There, let Sunday be your day, and hopefully your kids will do something 
and great for you uh, uh, as well. So that'll do it. And also, don't forget, on Saturday night, 8 o'clock, Blues and Sharks Game 1 Western Conference Final. That is going to be theater. That's right. How do you like the Russian Fire? I noticed you posted it a lot on... Uh... Well, I did. I did go see. Oh, I had to go see it a fifth time. I thought. I think I said I was going to do that. But I actually found out that it was playing at a movie theater up in Allen Park, where they, where I guess uh, I'm not sure they do this every day, but that night they were showing it for just a dollar. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Well, uh, when I go there, I go to my ticket say it's one dollar. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not passing that deal up. Right. So I mean, it was kind. I mean, it was theater where they were showing a bunch of movies that had been out for a lot longer but you know hey go for a dollar see the russian five again it's worth it's worth every penny and i know it's gonna be shown in other cities as well well and i'd say yeah one of the one of the best documentaries i've ever seen wow okay yeah hopefully it'll come hopefully it does get to come to toledo so nobody has to drive up and out towards Allen park i think it will I don't know if it was playing in Cleveland somewhere at one point. I, I'd have to double check on that. <laughs> okay, well, that's pretty much it. We'll do it here for your power play. Thanks so much. as We uh, always get the insight for you, and I knew you were going to say something about uh, your uh, Red Wings. But also, how about those teams that got knocked out of the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, that includes... Yeah, that includes the Colorado Avalanche, the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, let's see, the uh, Dallas Islanders, Stars. The I- Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders who got swept by the Canes. So, yeah. No, but, you know, this, this, has been con- this has been kind of a unusual playoffs because you're, I don't think, because usually at this point you're expecting one of the usual suspects to be there, and we're not going to have... There's no, going to be no Crosby, no Ovechkin. Both the Penguins and Capitals knocked out in round one. And, and Boston, I know, won a cup in 2011. They've still got a few le- leftovers from that team. So, I mean, I'm kind of like to see Carolina turn on the east, the west. I really have no dog in the fight. If, if San Jose comes out of the west and wins it, then I think your best story there would be Joe Thornton. And finally, you win the Stanley Cup. And if the Blues win it, I think you have the best team that was basically dead in the water in January and comes back to life. Yeah, that, that could happen. Well, anyway, we're going to take a commercial break. Got in 20 minutes of his podcast. Make sure you always check out Frank's NHL Power Play on podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And then when you listen to it, give us five stars there on iTunes. So it can uh, you circulate it throughout the uh, podcast world. Coming up next, we talk a little Michigan high school sports update, right, Frank? Yep. All There's right. going to be some changes coming, and some, and I would say the biggest one I really like a lot. Yeah, we talked about this uh, way back during football season, so we'll have that and more here on eighty-eight point three WGTs. After further review, right after this. 